Gaming NBS, episode 224, Monday, January 4th. Happy New Year, 2021. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad you're all here. So, Sean, you started off saying this was episode 324. <laughs> My recollection was the last one we did was 322. Were you were you cheating on me last no, week? No, I was not. You were not. You no, went, I went solo. Oh. I, I, I. So we should. I recorded myself. You recorded yourself. I did. And you consider that an actual show. All right. I'll let it slide. <laughs> I'm just giving you shit, dude. I saw, I heard about it. I heard it was pretty good. I should actually download it. It'd probably sound better than I do. Anyway, so how the hell are you, man? It's been like two weeks since I talked to you. I am. Um, I am okay. I, right. I'm not. I'm not good with going back to work. This no, Sunday, that was like, at all. Ugh, that was no good. No. What was really nice though was my. I had like a slew of meetings this morning. What cancel, cancel, move, cancel, cancel, move. I'm like, oh, nobody else wants work today either. This is nice. Had a bunch of socks audit crap to get through, so I did that instead, which was not that a good way to start the new year at work. But hey, get it done. Did you get any gaming in while we were out? The la- well, while I was not on the show, while you were here, starring by yourself, building your own brand without me. I, I think I ran. Th- Thursday, Wednesday. What'd you run? Age of Rebellion. Age of Rebellion? Okay. Yeah. And then I played Saturday in Hobbs' Little Fantasy Gaming. Did you die? I did not die. We had a pretty good session, actually. We didn't, uh, went out and kicked, kicked some thorn creature, Trent, Treant's asses. So Hobbs is getting soft. Well, you know, we, we've re, we've kind of regrouped. Kind of, hey, All right. we, we could do things differently and might be more successful if we do. And so we have, and we are. So there you go. All right, you're playing better. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Play you, have you played harder. anything since the move? Yes, I did, actually. Um, Alpha ran a while ago. Alpha ran um, his Descent, uh, Descent into Undermountain. God, that's old. That's an old video game reference. Um, the Dungeon of the Mad, the Undermountain game. That went pretty well. We're in kind of a real slow grind spot on that one. Um, Alf and I were talking about I was over at his new house shooting pool and drinking, which is a thing you do at Alpha's house and spinning records. Anyway, so we're doing that. We're talking about gaming, which is what we want to do. And he said, what do you think? I said, man, we're in a grind. I said, this is, it's really, the dungeon crawling part is fun, but we're having a hard time. And by that, I mean, None of us have any reason to be there anymore. <laughs> We've accomplished like all the goals and we're like, oh, we should do this and this, this. Check it off, check it off, check it off, check it off, check it off. Why the fuck are we here again? So that's starting to come up. And I feel bad for Alpha because he's like, he did a lot of prep work. It's a good adventure. We're having fun with it in a way. But you almost, we, we have to suspend almost anything other than I'm here to go through the dungeon. That is my goal. We have to, any other goal, suspend that goal. That's kind of. And this is not a knock on the adventure. I have not read it. It's not a knock on Alpha's gaming style. It's just the way it's rolling out across the players. The other thing I did this last week 
was my week to, to run, and I ran my Greyhawk first edition game. Mm. It was really cool. It was, um, we got back on the horse. So I'd, I'd taken a week off from the move. But anyway, so first edition game, they're still in Oitmeet in the Grand Duchy of Jeff. And they had just like uncovered this weird cult thing and everything kind of disappeared. All the cultists kind of disappeared over here, some ghouls and trying to figure out what the fuck happened. And uh, when it left, half the party was, or I should say two thirds of the party was like, we're leaving town. They all went to Gorna. We've got to leave, which is the capital of Jeff. We've got to go there or to Leah. we got to get out of town. They all left. And Lenny is like, nah, nah, man, the evil is still here. The evil is still here. So he convinces the party at the start of the session to stick it out. And they stick it out, and things got really fucking interesting. They met a, um, what they think might be a pure-blood Suluise princess. They're not quite sure what's going on with that, which might be why anybody who knows Greyhawk understands this. So, <laughs> See, look it up. Look it up, people. A Suluise princess, and then there's like the Scarlet Brotherhood, which are like um, these kind of evilish monks involved, also connected to Sewell, and they're still trying to figure out what's going on with Vecna and his weird cult. So it's it's good. They're in deep. They finally delved into the uh, the caverns underneath this section of the city and do some really good, like, well-timed role-playing. An invisible monk jumped them, started wailing the crap out of the cleric because he's like, this is, if I can take the cleric out, I can take out the rest of the party. Lenny's fighter, the half-elf, comes in there and swings and misses, but in the process, he's like, you know, stop. We don't want to fight. We need to talk. Make a little check. The monk is like, okay, let's talk. Everybody backs down, go to their respective corners. It was good. It was There was some really, just all in all, really well-timed role-playing. They were able to take out three ghouls, which proved to be even for four characters of, what I think, second, third level, it was tough. Three ghouls was really tough for them. Their dice were cold and uh, and the paralyzed. And a fun a fun fact, I reread the uh, first edition ghoul uh, paralyzing. Uh, how long does paralyzing last in first edition ghoul? <laughs> Do you happen to remember? <laughs> Probably uh, forever. I don't remember. Yes. And, oh, you're dead right. <laughs> there is no, it says you are paralyzed. It does not give a duration you're just fucking paralyzed. Well, you have to find a way to cure that. Yeah, I think you have to get removed paralyzation. <laughs> yes. Shit, man. Shit uh, in, my, no in, my, in my benevolence, I had uh, stated initially that if you had a condition given to you, oftentimes a healing spell could remove certain conditions. Hmm. So they they blew through like a cure spell and like two healing potions like this ought to work splash 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 cure cure and yes i allowed the uh paralyzation to be removed but they're like holy crap how long does that last said it never goes away fucking what <laughs> they were they were shocked and dismayed i thought it was rather comical but i was also on the side of the screen but somebody anyway. asked if you were running an after giant invasion or a pre-giant invasion um pre pre-giant pre 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 Shh, don't tell my players that. Don't tell them. Shh, don't say Don't tell them that. Nick, don't listen to this. Yeah, it's because the Giants the giants are coming. They're coming. I've given, I, I've, given, I've, given them, I've given them information that the Giants are coming. They just haven't pieced it all together yet. Yeah. The Giants are coming. Yeah, exactly. It's going to get it's gonna get messy. Much splattering will be occurring. Nice. It's coming. Oh, um, speaking of just cool shit, I have been looking at, Sean, you picked up. Um, what's that again? Free League. You picked up Alien. What was the other one? Forbidden Lands. Forbidden Lands. I've been 
eyeballing Cymbarium and Vasen for a while. Hmm. And I decided to go all in on on Cymbarium. The reason I did was because I, think you I went... you brought this up when, last time you were on. I may have, but I got I got my PDFs. And I'll tell you what, you had, um, we, we were both talking about, man, some of the, the shipping seemed to be a little late. Hmm. And I got a hold of the uh, folks at Free League. I'm like, oh, crap, it's over the holiday. How quick are they going to respond? And the nice lady responded to me. I was like, oh, we're really sorry about the holidays. It slowed us down. Super great response. I'm like, I didn't get my PDFs right away. She's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Here you go again to drive through, pull them all down. It was really cool. So I'm very pleased with the uh, customer service end of it. So that was really nice. Nice. Um... I think that's about it for me, man. Anything else from you on that? No. Oh, I should say Evercon is uh, coming up, if not already. Shit, dude, that's happening like real quick. So it's a virtual con this year. The And as I've said here, I'm not involved in running, owning, managing, directing Evercon anymore. Um, I talked to the people who are, and I apologized up and down. I said, Alpha and I can't really do much at all this year. Like, oh, really? Just because it's virtual? I said... Granted, I'm not big on virtual cons. However, I'm moving twice. <laughs> Alpha just moved. We had a lot of house shit going on. I really don't have any time to be prepared. I'm so behind. So uh, hopefully things will go fine. And uh, next year, Evercon will be live and in person again. And then I'll be there in force with my buddies. So anyway, Evercon.org. Check that out if you're interested in an online con. Not to backtrack, but as far have you read the rules of As- or uh, Symborium yet? Uh, the rules? Yeah. Have you looked over the mechanics? I went through the uh, the quick start. I got the quick start for free. And I checked through that and went, this isn't bad. This looks pretty damn simple. It's got enough crunch. Somebody, I think it is in the forums or maybe it was in Discord, talked about crunch for the players, not for me so much. The dice are player facing, man. This is really sexy. I like this. We've talked about this in the show before. But having it built into the mechanic where it's not like me trying to do trying to foist a thing upon them, it's all die rolls for them. They like doing the number crunch, and it's not that hard. I said, where are you at? Well, I'm at a 14. Well, take a 2, a 3, a 4, a penalty. Was that equal? Oh, 10. There you go. Make your roll. So the crunch of it, I think, like any new system, right? When I get it at the table, it'll take some working through. But I think the... Uh, I was just talking to Harrigan about it in Discord and such. I think the the feeling, the atmosphere, the art, the setting is going to draw them in enough that they're really going to groove on it. So you just got that one. You didn't get Vasen, correct? I did not get Vasen or Vasen. I have not done that one yet. That's next, but I, uh, I've i got time. So, yeah, that may, uh, that's wanna... kind of on my radar, but I need another game like a freaking hole in the head. I am trying this year. Last year was actually pretty selective. And I'm really, I'm really watching myself this year. I'm like, okay, I just, I offloaded a ton of shit when I moved. Do I really need this thing? Yes or no? And if nothing else, the Symbarium setting and the way it works and everything else, there's enough in there that I can beg, borrow, and steal concepts and ideas from my Avalon stuff. I'm like, oh, this is right up my alley. Dark, nasty stuff. And I also started doing more PIP system reading and thinking about how to get that Avalonized because that's what I need what I need to get done there. So oh did I mention my buddy uh Lenny, his son, he said, Hey Brett, do you think after you get settled in you'd like to run a DD game for my son and I? I'm like, I think I would. Wow. And Lenny has a shit ton of miniatures. And I'm like, you know, AJ likes minis, he likes theater mine too, but 
I know his son, Aiden, likes minis. And I said, you know what I ought to do? And I pull out Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. I said, I'm thinking I'm going to run that one a couple times and think that would be fun to run in person with your son and my boy. I think that could be a blast. So I'll probably do that. So that'll be cool. That'll be fun. Yeah, good times, man. Man, other than that, I think got nothing else. Nothing from you? No, I'm good, man. Let's get in a random encounter. Cool. Random encounter. Segment of the show where you field emails, voicemails, comments, social media. I've got a voicemail from the DM Kojo. Uh, if I can find it right here. All right, let's go, Kojo. Hey, guys, it's Kojo with one follow-up on my ideas about uh, team in D&D from my previous voicemail. Uh, one analogy that kept coming to me, and I forgot to mention before, uh, there was a lot of talk about do the mechanics of the game, the rules of the game, support team play and promote team play. And grant you, it's, you know, I don't know that very many forms of D&D that I'm familiar with actually have mechanics that do that. Again, I think the ability to achieve the goal as a whole as a team is easier, and that's what promotes team play as opposed to the mechanics of the game. But I don't think that that's really how you define team play in a game anyways, uh, the mechanics and the rules. Um, for example, if you look at basketball, there's no rules that uh, give you advantages, um, you know, for team play. You don't get extra points if your basket comes after passing it around five times and somebody gets an assist. Assists don't change the score. Yes, assists can help you win the game and do better overall, but, you know, so there's no rule that says in basketball that if you double-team a player on defense and steal the ball, that that's worth some extra advantage. So I don't think game mechanics and rules define whether or not it's a team game. I really believe it's whether or not uh, the ultimate goal can be best achieved by working together as opposed to, working as individuals. That's how I define it. But I understand there's different interpretations of that. But just wanted to give that analogy because that kept kind of coming to me. Thanks, guys. Great topic, as always. We'll see you later. Bye. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, Well, I'll tell you what. I, let's let's just say, I want to say this right up front. One of the things that Kojo does well, which, quite frankly, every listener we've ever had that's right, that writes into us or calls into us, says, this is what I see or what I think. I understand there's other perspectives. And I keep calling it out as like an awesome thing, and I'm going to continue to do it, folks, because there are so many people out there in the gaming world that will tell you you're doing bad, wrong, fun, you're fucking wrong, you're stupid, whatever the case is. So fuck all that shit. Sean does that to me. I hate it. <laughs> hate it. Which is only fair because I do it back to him. But jokes aside, I mean, honestly, that type of mentality... We need a lot of that. We need that to be a pervasive mentality through a hobby. But anyway, Sean, you were saying you disagree a little bit. Well, I mean, so okay, I, I think that's the whole debate. I mean, we're we still have people commenting on that thread on our forums. I think it's like it's a cool, it's a cool deep. idea. <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's deep, it's deep. And the, the thing is, it's, like I said last time when we actually covered it on the show, it was it's a good, thoughtful thread, man. A lot of good stuff in there. The warden came in not too long ago and said, after you listened to our show, went through and said. Bloom kind of busted out some of his stuff too he's the son of a bitch you started the whole yeah time. he started it <laughs> blame him damn it uh yeah no i mean we, again we could debate this for a while and say oh, basketball uh, 
you know, an assist, you don't get any points, but it's an assist if the other person gets some points and all this other stuff. And, you know, a rebound is good for your team because it gets to go the other way. But you know what? We're, we're going to have that influx of yeah people that go one way or the other. That's okay. It's okay. No. And it's, no, it's okay. Good. And I like the fact, honestly, I love the fact that our listeners are confident enough that this environment, our community, is one that they can say, I think this. And no one else comes out and says, you're bad, wrong, fun. You're fucking stupid, blah, blah, blah. We don't do that to each other. And if so you awesome. do, do it at your house. Like, get really, really pissed off, start throwing furniture around and yeah, all that because we crap. don't want to have to drop a band hammer on we you. Don't that's just, <laughs> we don't want to have to do that crap. <laughs> anyway, Kojo, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, Kojo. He also, yeah. he also wrote me, he wrote us, I think, a mm-hmm. private message that said, hey, I heard, because on the last episode, Brett wasn't here. I said, ah, you know, we're thinking about what do we do with the community? You know, do we, we Run try some to, games. Yeah, play some games. I know people are like, you know, here's this Kojo guy. It'd be cool to like actually meet him or play with him. And so he heard that episode and he's like, yeah, I'll run a DCC game for BSers. Just let me know. And and so we might be able to facilitate some of that stuff down the road. We'll, we'll see. But uh, let's get into the next one, which is. Yeah, who's next? It's a two-parter. Chris Shorb. It's not. Oh. Yeah. So he called in, recorded one, called back in 10 minutes later, probably because probably he's like listening to the show and went, oh, stops, calls, gets back out of the show. Oops. Calls back or he's in. Just, or he's just so <laughs> angry he had to take a breather in between it. All right. All right. <laughs> Let me make sure Buckle I get this up. played in the right order. All right. Let me buckle up here. Hey, Sean, Chris, Shore, calling about your most recent episode about spot checks, notice checks, perception checks. I had two points, one of which was triggered immediately by one of the things you said about why you were talking about Star Wars and how they don't have checks, like they don't have notice checks all the time. And that's absolutely true. It's like an end. So what I was thinking is stars without number, the stars without number game. It explicitly says in the rules, don't call for a skill check if there's not a need for it. Um, only if there's some complication and if dramatically it's interesting do you call for a check. So that's that's point one, and I'm totally on board with that um, because what I've noticed in D&D is everybody pumps their wisdom because perception and noticing stuff is such an important part of the game. And who knew that a game about people, you know, going adventure fiction, it was all about noticing things. Come on, just give them what's interesting in the room and then let them figure out what they want to do with it. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm leaning more towards the old school way where the players have to say, this is what I'm doing, and then I'll just give it to you if you describe it reasonably. But, uh, yeah, there's something about just everybody's got to have pumped up wisdom just so they can get good notice checks that's starting to really bug the crap out of me about five years. Anyways, that's all I got today. Take care. Bye. He lies. It wasn't he's, the only thing he had he's today. He's got more. He continues. Hey, Sean and Brett. Uh, I thought I wasn't going to say anything else, but I'm uh, uh, calling again. Uh, you guys may have already you – uh, Sean, you might have covered this again, but I just wanted to say that um, – the one point you made about uh, kind of if there's drama, which I also just called in a few minutes ago, uh, the other thing that I like to give to my players is they get three options on a lot of the skill checks, like like picking a lock, is do you want to be noticed? Do you want to avoid notice? 
do you want to be able to use that lock again? And uh, do you want to do it quickly? So those are kind of the three, the three dimensions of success. And if they re- roll really well, they get them all. They do it fast. They don't break the lock, and they don't get noticed while they're doing it. But if they, they just barely squeak by, then, yeah, they get to pick one of those that happens. They can do it fast, or they, but the other two happen, if that makes sense. The other two are negative in their way. Oh, you got noticed, and you broke the lock, but you did it fast, right? So that's one, that's one approach that I've been using. Interesting. Yeah, I think, so I threw I, I, yeah. I threw this out in the Discord, Sean, and this kind of reminds me of it. I've had this idea in my head for D anD D, and it's not just Five E. Pathfinder had this, and Three O had this, where everyone went, "Oh, there is a desire not to be left out." If you ask for a, "Hey, everyone, make perception checks," and you're the only poor sob that can't make a perception check, you you missed out. Nobody likes to miss out, so you jack that up because I don't want to be out. I don't want to miss it out, right? You want to see the stuff that everybody else sees, the cool shit, hidden stuff, finding things. You want to have it. I've been thinking about it, it might slow the game in a way, but asking them, describe what it is you're doing and say, okay, make a perception check with your intelligence. Why would I do that? Because the way you just described that you're doing a perception, you're picking the lock. I just want to muscle through this strength check. Oh, I want to do it this way. Oh. I want to be a warrior, but I want to be like the student fighter. I have studied, studied, studied. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the fastest, but I am the consummate student. You had intelligence on your combat. I'm a cunning street That's, fighter. That Craziness. is too crazy, Brett. That's but it's a way. Whoa. I know, I know. But it's a way, a theory. Again, I haven't. I've not play tested this. So it was just an iPad. I think I'm going to pull it out when I, as I work through with my, my own homebrew version of D&D type of thing. It's a way to tweak a character in the way that they do stuff, potentially, based on what they're good at, right? And I could then, as a game master, say, look, the only way you can bypass X is with a strength check. Oh, I suck at that. Yes. But in many other cases, you know, other options can and should apply, potentially. Which then stops people from dumping everything into wisdom to make sure that this one skill is super high. You're like, well, it depends, to quote a Sean Kelly I know, because how I'm doing it, like tracking. I think this is what started. Somebody in the uh, in the Discord had, had mentioned this. And I had said, you know, in, with tracking, it's like, how are you tracking? I have done tracking in the woods as a hunter. And I've gone through. Sometimes I want to go as fast as I can because I want to catch up quickly. So that's either, it's damn near Dex or Khan almost. And sometimes it's just intelligence. You're stopping and you're breaking it down. And there are books written on tracking. They're very intelligent. Like you break this down. If the soil has been raining this much and you break it, the crazy levels of intelligence, that's an intelligence. There are other people who like to track by their gut. And I've been there too, where I, I get lost. And I'm like, okay, where the fuck did this deer go? I'll bet you dove underneath this underneath this overhang duck down the snow there it is that was all just pure intuition gut instinct boom wisdom wisdom on that tracking check you know and in that case you could say look you had you could track with any one of these three four five whatever it is skills you could use even if in a in a uh, city scenario you're trying to track through and you're using your charisma because you're trying to see who's reacting appropriately right how are people move when someone's cutting through a crowd roughly moving weird or whatever it is they draw attention to themselves in small minute ways 
so anyway, instead of removing the skill of Sean, potential is tweak the stat that bumps the skill. Just an idea. I, again, I've never play tested this. I don't know what it would do for speed, slowing, so on and so forth, but I bet you if you got in a groove, it would roll pretty quick. Just an idea. You look at me like I have three heads. Or you're mocking they're me. Run you, they're going to run you out of gaming town. <laughs> gaming that crazy radicalism. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. That was good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. You guys think saying that, Sean? I don't want to. Yeah. It's good. You good? Yeah. All right. You can read the next one. Oh, I man. Talk, I talk too much. I'll shut up. Let you read. Email from James Carruthers. <clears throat> Uh, he writes, I, Brett and Sean, thanks for the holiday. Good wishes. Same to you and all the best to you, your families and your game groups for 2021. Uh, thanks, James. It's been quite some time since I last wrote in, although life's been busy. I want you to know I never miss an episode of your BS. Your hard heart and hard work shine through every week. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, very cool. Yes, James. Thanks, thanks you, James. Man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Now on the meat of the matter, I'm calling BS in a matter of speaking. So he buttered us up with a bunch of comments just to knock us down, Sean. James, I love you. That's this is how he is. I, I like I like that. Brett That's hasn't good. even you read you, it yet. He's just I haven't it. even read it. You just you, you got me you got me up and then crushed my spirits. You if you're yeah, that's game master gold right there. That's I right. love everything about it. Keep going, Sean. This is well, good. Actually, I'm offered more of a challenge and real world experiment. Ooh, a challenge. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Brett takes well to challenges. Yes. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. Carry on. <laughs> don't tell me. Fred said, don't tell me what to do, guy. All right. Uh, I, in several past episodes, including a few recent ones, the pouting and pontification about the shortcomings of hit points as an abstraction, the whining and wondering about the speed and ease of healing, and the fretting and philosophizing on the absence of lasting wounds and scars arises for rehashing time and again. Specifically pertaining to D&D 5e. Okay. So. Fair. Why not take what 5e actually has to offer and test it? Rather than scream this at my podcast player yet again. <laughs> I love it. I love finally it. Going, found time to sit down and write you about it. Recently, you floated the idea that you would re each concurrently run for Rime of the Frostmaiden and compare notes. I love this idea. I really hope you do it because I also plan to run that module. Yes, still, I call them modules. And I hope to benefit from your findings and musings. Uh, for those of you in the know, Stefan Dragonspawns actually started um, running Rime of the Frostmaiden. He started posting in our forums how it's been going for him. So he's mm -hmm. he's kind of like ahead of us and taking us up. He, he hit me up on that on Twitter, Stefan did, and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing it. What do you think? I'm like, dude, start, yeah, a, start sure. a thing. Start a thing in the forums. And Stefan's an awesome gamer, and he knows what he's doing. So I thought, yeah, throw that out there, man. Good stuff. And he thinks, he, and he thinks we're sexy. At least Brett, anyway. He's, he, we're, he's blind. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, so here's the challenge. Take all the 5e rules for gritty wounds and slow healing and tell your game group that these rules will, ap will apply raw. Yes, raw. Rules as written. Even you, Brett. Let's be scientific about this. For the first three levels of Rime of the Frostmaiden, when the PCs reach fourth level, have a look back and see how it went. Was it more 
fun, what worked and what didn't, and why. Ooh. That's a good, and no, I, that's, this is, I like this. This is smart. I like it. Many, many episodes ago, you both publicly committed to reading the rule books. However, since I'm still not sure if you guys have read the DMG 5e rules for this stuff, I'll itemize them here. And he goes into, he mentions healer's kit. To, I have. At, since we talked about this, the healer's kit dependency, the slow natural healing, this stuff out there, this is this is stuff I was looking at when Sean was talking about this for Ravenloft. I was rereading and boning up on this. So good stuff, James. Keep going, Sean. Sorry. So I he, he lays out and Brett hints to it. Um, healer's kit dependency, page 266, slow natural healing, 267, gritty realis- realism, 267. Uh, hitting cover, friendly fire, 272. Massive damage, system shock, 273. Uh, and he continues, at fourth level in Rime of the Frost Maiden, feel free to tweak and tune to suit your tastes and needs after having given the actual rules of the game a fair shake. I hope you take up the challenge. I plan on doing this too, and I look forward to comparing notes. In considering this topic, I began to wonder why. Why do we want to do this? I'm pretty sure that the idea to add these rules into our games originates solely from the DM 99% of the time. Our players certainly don't come up with this, nor do they ask for it. Is it more fun for the DM at the expense of the players? Fun? Or is it truly more fun for everyone? Or not? I'm curious to see what else comes up during the course of the experiment, but this question will be top of mind for me. So he goes on, he's got a couple spinoffs here. I want to throw a thought here real quick, James. And I think this is gold. And by that, I, Sean, if I, if I, when he said that, these ideas originate from the DM. Are they fun for us or fun for the players? Or both, right? I, th- I think that's worth thinking about. You know, I know, I know. I, uh, just, I am it, so done at considering players' feelings <laughs> or people in general. <laughs> yeah. I don't like people. I don't like people. I don't like people. This is the worst social game ever. <laughs> just do it. Fucking tell you. <laughs> I like the question. I've not thought of it with these words exactly. So this is that got my gears turning. So keep going, Sean. We got some tangents to go through. Oh, here, that, apparently, all told, damn good challenge. And I think it's, um, I think it's definitely worth doing. I do it with damn near every other game I buy a new game system. I run it as written as much as I can to really find out what works and what doesn't. But for some reason, I think Sean, you and I have hinted at this. We played D and D for so goddamn many years. Like I know how to run this game. Your damn kids in your newfangled low high thingies. I do this myself. Yeah. Anyway, James, carry on. Sir. James. And now for a few spinoff tangents, the, that That question led me to wondering, do I feel that my players too often overpower the challenges I give them? For me, actually, no. But I hear about other DMs who do worry about this. Sean, is this you maybe? Uh, In podcasts where Mike Shea appears, for example, I hear him talk about how his players routinely routinely curb stomp encounters that are of a CR far, far higher than should be possible. Conversely, I hear that Jeremy Crawford scoffs at the idea that monsters are too easily overcome by players, and his case in point is that in all the games he has ever run in 5e, none of his groups have ever killed a vampire, no matter how high level and powerful they were. Vampires are just too cunning and too powerful. They always escape. Mike, on the other hand, wrote and published a booklet of seven new vampires just to make them stronger. (laughs) 
personally, I think I'm somewhere between the two in my DM style. For example, I find it hard to imagine a vampire that doesn't kill everyone and or escape to fight another day, but not impossible. However, I would pit a sphinx against anyone, anytime, any level, and I'm sure it would never, ever lose. Conversely, I'm a notoriously poor tactician when it comes to running dragons, but I don't care. There's always some other terrifying creature around the next corner or ready to plane shift in from hell to make the players crap their pants. I like it. All right. If I didn't love him before, I do now. I think some DMs DMs fear of players overpowering their encounters might be one reason for the scarcity of magic items in 5e, especially weapons. That and the fact that character classes progressively add so many cool bells and whistles already. But I say, fear not. I give awesome magic items as treasure. I grew up with AD&D and learned to love magic items at an early age. For example, I thought the rogue find a short sword of sharpness in our Princes of the Apocalypse game. I was afraid to let him have it. Sure. Unafraid. Unafraid. Unafraid to let him have it. Sure, he made mincemeat out of a few monsters, but I'm the DM. There's always another bigger monster around the next corner. His sword came with a nasty backstory, too, of course. It had been hidden away for God, God's know how long in an illithid temple because it was the little sister silver sword companion to a Gathanki captain's larger main two-handed silver sword. Eesh. Once the rogue removed it from its hidden location, it triggered the hunt from the Githyanki. The party was plagued by Githyanki hunting parties at the most inopportune times for the rest of the campaign. The whole party had awesome stuff like that. Fun for them and fun for me, too. A caveat. I do find that the plus X of magic weapons in 5e can steal some fun due to the cleverly designed, bounded accuracy of the game. If a PC hits 90% of the time when then I believe it does actually lessen the fun for everyone, including the ever-hitting PC. Solution? The plus X only works for one minute per day when activated on a bonus action. Of course, the weapon is always magical regardless of whether or not the plus X is on, which is important for overcoming monster resistances at higher levels of play. Plus, I usually embellish its other powers if it has any, and it always does. There's no such thing as vanilla plus one or plus two weapon in my games. All the best for a better 2021. James Carruthers, Sunshine Coast, British Columbia. P.S. Forgive my flippant, irreverent, snarky tone. It's tongue-in-cheek and all in good fun. You guys are awesome. P.P.S. Brett, don't stop telling us stories from your AD&D game. More, <laughs> more. I absolutely love hearing about it. <laughs> well, you got, you got some at the beginning. I think when I when I heard the last piece here, James, what I, you know, when Jeremy Crawford says, hey, no one's ever killed a vampire, I think it comes down to how he's playing them. Much like how you say there's never a, a boring plus one, plus two sword in your game, you know, and you, you talk about how, hey, you know, I'm really bad at running dragons, but you sound like you kick ass at sphinxes. You know, there, I've always said, quite frankly, how the hell do you ever beat a lich? If, if I have, if I have a lich who's, you know, the obligatory thousands of years old. How the fuck did you beat that per- that thing? That thing. It, it, it's developed how many custom spells? It's immune to how many different things? How many hundreds of clones does it have or whatever? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's it's crazy difficult. And um, I think the... I think Mike, you know, coming up with seven new vampires and so forth. I think sometimes it comes down to... 
options like that, different ideas of the vampire, six years of Brett and Sean babbling about different ways to do different things. The best thing that happens is when Mike Shea writes that stuff, it's like, hey, here's a different way to run a vampire. And sometimes that goes click in the game master's head and goes, oh, fuck yeah. Now I can finally make my vampires tough. I never thought of running them that way before. Right. I think that's there's some there's some real power in that. And like you talk about sphinxes. I have I don't remember the last time I ran a sphinx other than a big bucket of hit points. Right. Totally probably a bad way to run a sphinx. You, on the other hand, James, have done it to much greater effect. Therefore, you're running them, dare I say, better than Brett is, which is absolutely cool. And how the hell are you doing it? And those are the type of things that I miss about the in-person con. Sitting at Gary Con, swapping stories with Sean and everybody else who comes up. Forced to Gary, sitting there saying, oh my God, I had this happen. Hey, how do you run your name it here monster i do this oh that's a cool idea i'm doing that next time that's the shit i love and that's essentially six years of this podcast but good thoughts i like this stuff man and that honestly sean what do you think about his challenge up top though run it as is yeah i suppose god i'm such a terrible rules guy sometimes though but all right whatever i would i would wager to say that you have played it as is more than i have because you played with doc uh, maybe. I think Doc is probably the consummate 5e rules guy that I personally yeah, know. Yeah, he's good. He's really good. And I think um, because you played with him as Game Master, you have an edge on me there. Maybe. And I usually crazy. forget him, so Doc just reminds me at the table. Yeah, so he's better <laughs> than both you and I <laughs> Totally. No question. But no, I, when I plan to run Rhyme of the Frostmaiden for uh, AJ, my buddy Lenny, and his son Aiden, um, which would be funny because Lenny's real name is Aaron, so it's Aaron, Aaron, and Aiden, all three A's at the table. But anyhow, the point is, is I want to run that close to as it's written because then there's less ambiguity and less what do you mean type of thing. Just kind of keep things clean. So it's a damn good it's a damn good challenge. As I said, for whatever reason, D&D doesn't get that out of me i guess just my history with that game man honestly any other game like you know sambarum i plan to run it as written because i want to take it for a drive right. see how it works yeah. you know yeah it's new it's the new car man it's new it's, it's new and different yeah new knobs and flips and new yeah you know, this all goes yeah. hey yeah yeah all right good stuff though thank you all right so let's see last one here craig from the third floor <laughs> third floor wars emails us if you want to trip through the time machine or open up a time capsule go re-listen to your episode 285 ideal game group the first 20 minutes is where sean and brett start to realize that COVID is a thing and will impact their hobby i listened today and it was interesting to hear the initial reactions to the lockdowns i love an episode where you two talk about lasting impact will there be a lockdown hangover in the rpg industry will post lockdown rpg world look like pre-lockdown rpg world the entire episode is worth a second listen, but I think the opening discussion that took me back in time. Craig from Third Floor Wars. Damn, dude, I had forgotten about that. You're right. It's different. I think um, I think that one, Sean, I'm going to throw that one in the hopper. I think there's there's potential that from our hobby stance, you know, bold statement here, but you know, did it change the way people game? 
permanently some, in some, some cases. Some, I think, more than others. I know some guys that are big online gamers, and they've played like that for you know the last few years where virtual tabletops and video conferencing software has come you know exponentially better because i can tell you my home group when i moved up here to wausau and now everybody's within 15 minutes of me right and we talked we said do we keep gaming online everyone went yeah i asked the question thinking all these old grognards that game was like oh fuck no back to first no that would no i want online tuesday game Lenny said, Lenny and I talked about it. He and he said, Man, we just we, everything moves. I said, dude, you get more done in a three hour online session than you do in an eight hour in person. He goes, Yeah, you're right. We really move. Well, there's a, there's <laughs> We're a really hyper focused. There, there can be a lot of dinking around when you're at a table. Oh, can yeah. be? Yeah, there's a lot of dinking around in person. Which is fun yeah. and all. But anyway, no, I think uh that's interesting, Craig. That's a you know, huh. All right, I'll add that one to the hopper. That's going in. All right. You ready, Sean? Yeah, no, thanks, Craig. Uh, Let's get into the main topic. So, Sean, this is yours. You came up to me, or today, I said, (laughs) so here's how this happened, folks. I said, Sean, over text, hey, man, how you doing? Good, Brett, what's up? Uh, What the hell are we talking about today? I can't fucking remember. (laughs) Well, it's it's been like a week and a half. I... What am I doing? How many boxes do I have behind me? What's going on? So one of the things that Sean threw at me in a plethora of ideas that he expounded on the most was, how do we play pretend? Right. So I think, Sean, let me cap- see if I can capture the idea that you threw at me here. And you basically was like, we did this as kids and it was super easy. We pretend to be all sorts of stuff. Cops, robbers, soldiers, teachers, moms, dads, playhouse, do whatever it is you did. Um, and we just dove in and freaking did it. Right. And when we were kids playing pretend and doing that type of thing, there was, we didn't have total mastery of it. If we played cops and robbers, no kid had a full comprehension of what the speeding laws were. <laughs> no kid fully understood, you know, what breaking and entering all the rules and regulations of whatever it was were, right? We didn't have all It was that. amazing at how much we did have, though. <laughs> Oh, it was, yeah, depending on how you grew up. Um, but anyway, yeah, we had a lot of we had a lot of knowledge. But, you know, and you had posed kind of posed the idea kind of as a question for the topic here is like, have we is there something we lost between there and growing up and becoming jaded pack of jerks that we are? <laughs> or is it? Um, and if we were to look back at that time, is there something we could grab onto that could help us out? In our game, is that kind of where you're going? Sean? It does. You oh, summed it up so, okay. fairly nicely, Brett. The that was the that was Jeff. Uh, Jeff, that's Brett's interpretation of what I was looking for when it when I brought up playing pretend, and it, it came to me because we we, we get older mm-hmm. and play playing pretend. I guess the point was that. We didn't know anything like if we were six years old playing cops and robbers, the six year old as a six year old, I was never a cop. That's what Brad had mentioned. But we still played cops and robbers. I took you. You broke the law. I arrested you. and I put you in jail. Yeah. If we got older, say we got to 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, then we maybe had a better concept of what that involved. Like Jeff and I, Jeff had the cop club. Like it was a genuine, it was called the cop club. 
you know, we, we recruited members <laughs> to the cop club. We made ID badges. Oh, cute. Yep, ID badges. Oh. We went around and rest, arrested kids on their bikes for speeding through town. And if they didn't come with us, we muscled them. We jacked them up and brought them back and we, we put them on trial. This is, I'm not bullshitting. police brutality. I'm, this is I'm awesome. I'm not bullshitting. And, and in so doing, like, we'd have we'd have crabapple fights and stuff like that. You know, crabapple war. You're on that side. We're on this side. I mean, that's a little bit different than maybe a military-based thing. But my the point of what I'm trying to get at and why I mentioned it to Brett was we get into role-playing games. And the one thing that kind of comes to mind is Star Trek because Star Trek is a weird one because we – you watch the series and you try to play it in a role-playing game. And I've brought this up before where it's very hard as a player character to determine I'm not the science officer in the year 2400 or 2300 that comes up with these weird solutions and findings and analysis that comes up with the with how we can conquer what's got us the ship grabbed in space or the creature that's taking over people or whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, you don't understand how the warp drive works because you're not Scotty. You don't get to say, well, I'm going to do a bypass through the knibbler rods and defibrillators ought to kick in and well, hopefully we're slingshot our way out of here, Captain. You're like, what the fuck did he just say? Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Correct. But neither do the writers of some of those shows. No, they're making a shit up. They're making all yeah, that they shit up. Are. And so what yeah. I'm thinking to myself is as... So kind of as a player, because like game masters, we can kind of come up with this. We 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 make our notes, we read modules and adventures, and you know all this stuff. And it's kind of sometimes it could be served up to us. But as player characters, we're we're confined. We feel sometimes confined to what a character sheet is. And sometimes I'm like, just just pretend you are a helmsman. Pretend you are a, like just go back. To the days yeah. of naivete and pretend. Like, you could come up in a game. You don't need a 10-page backstory to tell you what your motivation is. Right. Just do it. You could just, hey, you're the helmsman or you're the engineer on the starship. Come up with engineer talk. It doesn't even matter if it's accurate or normal. Like, it, I cannot tell you. And if you're a game master that does this, you're doing it wrong. Okay, there, I said it. <laughs> but if a player character came... To the table, and they're like, hey, the game master sends you a message and says, hey, there's something wrong with the engines. And you, as the player, took the took the lead on that and came back to the captain or the crew and said, hey, there's something wrong with the engines. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to troubleshoot the flux capacitor in the antimatter chamber. And I'm not quite sure. I'm seeing some weird readings. If you said all of that and none of it made any sense, but it sounded really cool because you're the engineer – the game master is going to be like, yes, that's awesome. great. So, why do you think that doesn't happen? Because I think that we get older, we get jaded, and I say this because it just is kind of the nature of who we are. Brett games with his kids. He the when he plays with his kids, it's a different game. Even if he ran the same game for his kids that he did with. Lenny and the guys. Oh, it's a yeah, it's a whole different, different game. But why is it a oh, different yeah. game? Kids have a sense of wonder and exploration, and they they want to they want to friend the dragon. They don't want to kill the dragon, right? You know, there's just that different dynamic. They haven't been jaded. No, my, my daughter would want to kill a dragon. AJ would talk to, My daughter would kill sure. a dragon, but that's just her. 
but care they, not. They, <laughs> no, they haven't you. been jaded with like you know paying taxes, buying houses, and moving. <laughs> and they also they also haven't been made fun of <laughs> for saying something that sounds like gobbledygook. True. Yes. Because if you say you know I'm trying to get the flux capacitor and the knibbler rods just don't seem to work appropriately, I'm thinking about you know maybe I could take some of the life support and move it through the hydrogenator. It's a bunch of garbage words all mashed together, and somebody at your table might go hydrogenator <laughs> right. and look at you derisively and say, you clearly don't understand Star Trek. Even if that doesn't happen, that asshole ain't at your table, right? He or she, that jerko, isn't there. We as people, as grown-ups, even teenagers, adults in any way, shape, or form, don't want to be made fools oh, of. Oh, we've got this so hung up. I mean, we got beat up as oh, kids and so. never want to be made fun of or look like a fool. We got this such Being a- Being made fun of this, sucks, dude. If you ever, yeah. I mean, if you're ever a nerd in high school, hands up, it sucks, right? If you ever picked on incessantly, yeah. Come home crying from school, hands up. Yeah, me too. It sucks. You don't want to be made a fool of. But the game table should be, there's nobody making fun of you. They're laughing with you. They're having fun with you. That environment, we should feel like we should be able to do it. And I don't have a problem making fun of folks at the table. I think there is a... I th- it, there's a there's a difference between, oh my God, that thing you said was funny. It's totally engineering talk, but wow, that was just hydrogenator. What the fuck's hydrogenator, Brett? I don't fucking know. I'm just trying to do some engineer talk, people. That's a fun back and forth, right? Not the, you, Brett, are stupid because you said hydrogenator. Now this is like whatever the fuck that is. But somebody's, you know, calling you dumb or calling you out in that mean-spirited way, that's yeah, a problem. Yeah, I agree. Right? Sure. So I can say personally, so my buddy Lenny started a Call of Cthulhu game this last Friday. And we sat down the day before and made characters. Lenny was couldn't make it, so we're at Alpha's place making characters. And everyone's making... My buddy, uh, Save makes a professional boxer, and somebody else makes a this, and somebody else makes an animal tamer. I'm like, I'm making an antiquarian. I'm making a, a solid British. We're in London. I'm a British antiquarian, so on and so forth. I have no idea how to play or how to actually 100% be a stodgy English gentleman who thinks that the world should be British and the rest of you are not well-bred enough to understand. Yeah, watch me. Crown Man. <laughs> so what I did was I tapped into everything I've ever read, thought, or seen that sounded fun like that. And every time somebody said something to me, like, well, if I were born like you, I would totally think like that. However, thankfully, good breeding and all, I've been able to uh, ascertain the true nature of this thing. That was a complete jerk. And most people, most sorts of players like, God, your character's a dick. Yes, yes, he is. But he's also the one, only one who really understood things and so on. I just, I said crap. That was rude and obnoxious, but like kind of, sort of, nicely spirited and so forth. I say crap that made no sense. I would throw in colloquialisms from the 20th century that I'd forgot. <laughs> like, ah, crap, that, that's, that's totally anachronistic. I'd forget I said it and just move on. We all had a good laugh at my expense many times. And we had fun picking on Zave when he was a professional boxer who for some reason was talking to the professor as if they were equals. <laughs> like, you're a professional boxer! How can you ask this philosophical question of this man? You punch people for a living in the 1920s. Come on, dude. It, it was funny. But by the other thing I found, man, honestly, is that if you at the table 
if you go for it, you help to grant the other people the table freedom. And I'm not saying I do it all the time and I'm this awesome player. For whatever reason, Lenny's game, I'm like, ooh, I got a, I got a character I can really get into it. I'm just saying nonsense words that sound aristocratic, arrogant British. I, have no, I, I mean, whatever. I'm just pretending. I'm totally diving in. I'm absolutely pretending. I'm thinking of buying a tweed suit just so I can wear it to reinforce the fact. Yeah, man. <laughs> Patches guy. on the elbow, for sure. Patch, yes, absolutely. But by doing that, I found that I am encouraging everyone else at the table to do it. And I realized, like, huh, Lenny does this in my games. You did that. Excuse me, Sean, when I ran Trailer Cthulhu, your character picked, you had, like, this way of speaking. We called it an accent, something you did. But you're, when you dive in and do that, a couple of guys like Jesus. What? Who the? Where the fuck is that accent from? Some of the guys gave you shit for it. However, everyone liked it. Everyone applauded the fact that you were doing it. I'm still here today. You're still here today. No therapy needed. No died. You didn't die. Yeah. Nope. They're not calling me, texting me every day, making fun of me. Like I'm good. Huh? But it helps, I think, to give everyone else license to cut loose. Does that make sense? Oh, of course. Yeah, I think there's a. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when someone else breaks the ice and goes in and is like, I'm the robber, I'm soldier guy, I order you around. Why? Because I'm a I'm a lieutenant. I can order people around. Yeah, but he's a he's a colonel. Well, I, I'm a lieutenant. Can't I do that? No, you don't understand military anything. Oh, shit. Sorry. Probably shouldn't have said that, you know, or whatever. Well, another thing I wanted to bring up with this specifically and not just, you know, OK, I'm going to come up with a lot of different terms because I'm going to embrace the role that I am playing no, in a, it's a game, idea, a piece, it's a piece of a piece of the piece. Yep. Piece of the top. But it's also going. to, to, because <clears throat> I th again, I think some players just kind of like, uh, I don't know what to do or how is my, the role that I'm playing contributing to, to the situation at hand. Does this go to your fighter? Just punch him in the face concept. Oh, that was loud. Pour don't me, do you mean drink here. nobody's going to punch you in the face? Well, no, your concept oh. of, well, I'm a fighter. Oh. Uh, what should I do? Yeah. Punch the yeah. monster in the face. Joe, Joe, Use your sword. Joe Swick had a moment it. like that in our Star Wars Age of Rebellion game. Yeah, we were they were getting chased by a couple of scout troopers, and Joe was at the top, and he was playing a droid, and he was like, I'm at the top. There's a scout trooper along the side of the vehicle, and he's like, I'm going to, can I jump down? I'm thinking about jumping down with my vibro blade and, like, jumping down onto the bike. Now, both of them are, like, screaming, moving down, you know, down the freaking path. Shoot and him with a laser. No, I told him. I said, yes, man. <laughs> yes. Jump down and kick that guy in the ass with the freaking vibro blade. Yes. Dude, yay. Go, go, do it, go. Do it. Go, go, yeah. go. Yeah. Like, it's That's, Star Wars, man. It's crazy. Do fantastic, crazy. crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, man. And uh, so it's it's... It's some of those components where it's like, oh, you know, I'm not quite sure. Yep, yep, you know, you know you're know, you the helms. Like, so when, when we talk about pre playing pretend, that, that's what we're doing in games. We're go Yeah, we're making shit up. This is, it's not happening, right? I'll tell you what, what thing you just did there when, when Joe said, oh, I'm thinking about, and sometimes you can see this as game master, you can look at your players and somebody has this idea. They got that glint in their eye. They got this, I'm thinking of something crazy. They'll say those words or something along those lines. Like, what do you want to do? Well, I'm thinking of doing like this weird parkour lightsaber flip move. Explain. Show them you're interested in that, and you can get your players doing that. They they'll dive into it. Because sometimes you know you get a guy like 
Joe's a good gamer. I've gamed with Joe Swick many times. And when he's like, huh, I'm thinking of doing this. Sometimes whether we whether we as players realize it or not, when we say that thing out loud, we're looking for validation from the group. Is that a good idea? And as a fellow player, I'm like, that's fucking awesome. That's so Star Wars, dude. Go. Or a Brett says, shoot him with a laser. Why would you jump down there? It's dangerous. And somebody else goes, no, that's Star Wars, man. That's the thing. And Brett goes, yeah, you're right. Fucking Star Wars, go. Jump off the bridge. Do the thing. Flip over there. Stab him in the eye. Whatever it is. Well, you could have you could have done that. I mean, he could have done anything, right? No, I, I'm just saying when 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 you hear that from players, my experience tells me that that player is looking for validation, looking for acceptance, looking for the group to say, does this sound cool? I'm trying to play pretend here. Is this okay? If you think that back to when you pretend, somebody be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, the cops would do something and then they would, you know, tell the robber, okay, now you try to run away. You've escaped and now I got to chase you down. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Kids have these conversations. I watch, I watched my little kids do this when they were much smaller or even my big kids when they were smaller. Anyway, point is it's the same type of thing. We have a little writer's table discussion. That's cool. You can help feed that stuff. If you're watching what's going on and applaud people for diving in, it doesn't mean you have to speak in character, but you just have a um, a play pretend moment, right? Where you're really into the genre of the thing that's happening. Is that what you're talking about, Sean? Or am I totally taking you in the wrong direction? No, I think it's, you know, the other thing is to, because again, sometimes I think we look at the character sheet and we're we're playing maybe kind of ourselves i don't know but we're not in, we're not fully embracing the role that we're that we're playing so like if you're a doctor think of what a doctor would do you're the doctor you know you're not not every character that you have is kind of the same thing or approaching okay. the same problem with the same hammer and so when you say well i'm a you know when you sit down and you say you lay out three pregens, and you're playing Call of Cthulhu. Okay, say f- something like that, S- science fiction, whatever. And one's a doctor, one's an, an antique dealer, one is a private eye. What makes those three people different, just based on those like classification titles? Well, you know, you brought up Star Trek, and it's a similar thing. You know, when you're playing the doctor in Star Trek, you don't know how to be a doctor no. any more than you know how to be a doctor in modern times, unless you happen to be. Laramie Wall would probably have a better chance. Um, or somebody out there who is a doctor or a, or another nurse like Laramie or whatever. But the point being is that you don't know how to be a doctor in the 1920s. So I got to, if you're playing Star Trek, like, well, I need to run a scan. I need to find out what's wrong with him. I think there might be something with his blood or in, or his tissues. Sure. Yeah. Sounds uh, good. Game game masters have to help a little bit because there are some that like, hey, you know, but I I, I don't want to squash ideas that come from that source. Like I'm the doctor. I'm going to run a scan. I am the, you know, antiquarian. I know, you know, I'm going to be... I don't know, snobby, and I'm going to know about, you know, I'm going to be a social elitist um, kind of of approach as a character because I am an antiquarian, you know, and that's what I'm going to embrace. And I know all the ins and outs of antiques and dealings. And, you know, I go to Sotheby's and, you know, peruse the items that are up for auction. You know, 
And if you as the if you as the game master know more about Star Trek medical lore than the guy playing the doctor, or she's playing the doctor, she's like, well, I want to run some tests and check. Um, uh, let's see, internal organs, bleeding, tissue damage, blood work. They're throwing out that type of thing. And what you say as game master, being much, you happen to be wiser in the ways of. You say, well, what you're going to do is use the the tricorder, the B quarter, the C quarter, whatever the hell it is. You you name the thing. You're passing lore to that player who's trying to play pretend and they're grasping for a term they can use. Pass the lore to them and then they have that vocabulary now to use. Right. Oh, this thing that said um, surgical data recorder on my character sheet. That's what I use to do this. Well, I'm going to use my surgical data recorder to um, go through and do a similar scan like I did the last time and try to figure out X, Y, and Z. Passing that vocabulary across the, the across the table helps that person who really wants to play pretend. And the other thing is if you're trying to play pretend and you're trying to do it really well and you're like, look, I don't know the term. What would I, what would I do to get this type of result? You could ask that open question. And if there's somebody at the table who's really good or knows something better than you about the 1920s Cthulhu or Star Trek or wherever it happens to be, I don't know enough about Star Wars, quite frankly. I'm not savvy. I know enough to get by, but not super savvy. I have. I remember playing Star Wars with Sean saying, do they have like a tricorder readings? How, how, can you do a scan of something? You know, yeah, how does right, that I was work? trying to scan ships and shit. Like, yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't know. Can I do that? Can I? Can I try that? You know? So doing that, though, lets Sean know that I'm trying to play in my role. I'm trying to pretend here. I just am lacking vocabulary. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, and that's a good point. Like some games like Cyberpunk Red, I find it often in the cyberpunk genre, like Shadowrun, Cyberpunk Red, you know, some others that will list a glossary of terms that they want, you know, that you can use, vocabulary that you can incorporate. Vampire was big on that, dude. Oh, yeah. If you were the sheriff of a city, the prince, antediluvian, Methuselah, what does that what 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 does that mean? Ranking wise, and it had stats and reasons. And if you were Childer, if you were uh, what, what if you're what generation are you? What does that mean? Tons of terms. And for those of us who got into it at the time, we knew all that crap. We'd have these conversations, but the new player, we had to help them with the vocabulary give them those tools, hand it across the screen so that they could grab it and run with it. That was important. Yeah, and if you've heard terms in movies that incorporate or embrace a certain quote-unquote character, you know, when you talk about the Italian job and you look at the guy, God, I can't remember the Seth Green's character, what his name was, that was the hacker, and he talks about doing certain things within the movie – Use that vernacular, you know, Star Wars, same thing, you know, Jason Weeb and, you know, he mentioned, you know, it's probably got a bad, bad motivator. <laughs> well, yeah. it's used well, right but- in episode four. Uh, get that one out of here. It's probably, you know, this one, hey, the motivator on the, hey, I'll go on. That's why has got a bad motivator. Yeah, like motivator, what, like it, it, it's not motivated to work? What does that mean? Not moving? What's got to go? Hydro spanners, motivators. Yeah, gotta get the hydro, hydro spanner. spanners. That's a water-based spanner wrench. What is that? Yeah, makes no sense. Yeah, give me electro. Yeah, stim gotta here. go Tashi Station and get some uh, power converters. Ah, so 
bring up, I mean, we've all heard it. We've all seen it. If we're playing Star Trek, we've probably seen an episode one or two. And Brett's even talking about tricorder, bicorders, you know, quad quarters. If I can throw yeah. it out there. I think the, um, there is, the other thing that happens, one of the things that I think stops people from playing pretend in that, in that level that you're talking about is the desire to be original. Sometimes we don't want to borrow. We don't want to copy, right? I know I used to have this problem when running games and stuff. I'm like, oh, I want, I don't want to be as original as I can. Well, I think that's that's okay, but in certain cases, we have chatted about this over the years. But I think you know, referencing something that, like, I want to use like a tricorder. I don't know what the Star Wars equivalent is, but is there a tricorder type thing here, like from Star Trek? The game master can tell you yes or no if it's a thing that people are aware of. And there's nothing wrong with you saying, you know, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. Because you made a role and blah, blah, blah. Using, quoting those pieces, taking those things directly from Firefly or whatever your thing is, is totally fine. And I think there's sometimes we, when we say stuff, we don't want to inappropriately quote it or over quote it or be uh be seen as unoriginal in some way like again like we'll be made fun of because we're copying something but there's a lot of power in that and we've talked about that for quite a while and i think that's something we should tap into because that helps us playing pretend because it has connotations it has thing it has all those the meanings and emotions that go with that statement it's got a bad motivator in that sing-songy whiny luke skywalker voice there's power in that it's got a bad motivator. I was going to be in the military where you get like bring up uh, all kinds of goofy stuff like chrome plated muffler bearings and you know liquid squelch and. I worked factory. I was told a couple times, "Hey, go downstairs, and get me a bucket of steam." I was like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, uh, box of grid squares. You know. Yeah, first time you you get a car and that crazy uncle goes, "Hey, you know your blinker fluid is low. Fuck off." Blinker fluid. Hey, your tires are rotating. Oh my god, really? Yeah, that one. Yeah, all that shit. But some of yeah. that originality, you can't be original because it's kind of like, you know, speaking the way anybody would. Like right now, Brett and I talking are going to reference things that aren't original, but we have to because <laughs> exactly we got to like talk to each other and communicate, right? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the cool pieces that I remember being kids, vaguely, God knows when that was, um, as kids watching my kids growing up. And quoting stuff that they saw in movies or that they saw in TV shows that was fun for them, right? They would watch Finding Nemo and they would say something because it was funny or cute or they thought it applied in the situation. And it's just, it's a way to communicate. And again, I think from a playing pretend perspective, it's very effective to pull that in. It can be very helpful. It kind of gets you in the zone, right? If you're playing a Star Wars game and it's been a while since you've seen a Star Wars movie and break out one of them, dude. A lot of the good quotes and quips are in there. A lot of the good pieces and parts in almost every one of them. It's got Star Wars type action, Star Wars type dialogue, Star Wars type look and feel. Glom onto a piece yeah, of it. Yeah, you're and there in you Star go. Wars. You're not looking for a car. You're looking for a speeder. The yeah, hover thing. Yeah, hover you know, mobile. I need a hover. I need a. <laughs> right. I need a hover mobile. Right. You know, <laughs> hover mobile, Brett. I. You know what I mean. One of those things that floats. It's funny, but I'm in there. I'm not saying, give me a car. Not a motorcycle. I need a transport. I need a transport. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. 
I need a speeder bike. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I need. So, yeah, I just figured as, as soon as, and I wanted to gear this towards more more players because we don't do a lot of show up for players and for and we all play like even game masters play but at the same time i think we get caught up in the here's my character i'm kind of two-dimensional and i'm not really thinking of who or what i'm playing or we want so many dimensions right i want a five-page backstory or or we want too much too little there you know what's the sweet spot for you we've talked about this as game masters you know again referencing like, hey, you're in a dungeon in this weird-ass stairway. You know that stairway in the Mines of Moria in the Lord of the Rings movie when they're going down? So no no Belrog's chasing you, but you know what that looks like? No baluster, you know, banisters or anything. You're just, yeah, okay, it looks like that. Done. Everyone has the picture in their mind because it just so happens everyone at the table seen that movie. Or they can at least help describe it good enough, move on. Those reference points are great. Game Masters, we use them all the time. But as players, I think we need to start referencing that stuff, too, because it helps us, you know, kind of I can underscore who my character is based on some of the things I quote and quip and some of the descriptions I use. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you want to be as original as possible in the Star Trek as a doctor, as a player, you could decide to be the doctor who orders everybody else around. Yes, we need to run some tests on this man. I want to find out if there's anything anomalous with him. Oh, yes, boy, it looks, looks like she's she's in rough shape. Put her in the put her in the stasis chamber and uh, report back to me in 15 hours as to, uh, well, or if there, anything's changed. If anybody's met a surgeon, they, <laughs> they, tend to, they tend to like to give orders. So, anyway, just, just some ideas there. Sean, anything else you want on this one? I don't mean to drag it out or... No, not at all. I think everybody kind of gets the gist. All right, so let's pre- yeah. let's let, let's pretend we're moving on. Going to the die roll, die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery. We want to share with you. We've got a couple this week. I just picked off. Uh, first one, Jared Rasher's doing an AP podcast. I don't know if we put this out there, but it's specifically around the streets of Avalon. Yeah, I think we may have brought it up before, but he's been releasing a couple more recently, so it's definitely worth throwing out there. Jared's awesome. That he's got Eileen and. Uh, he's just got a great team game with him. So it's a it's a really good crew. And based on what he's been doing and some of the feedback I've been getting from a couple of players, like, hey, what if you Eileen gave me a great idea? I'm like, oh, I oh, should boy. do that. <laughs> There's some good stuff. Uh, and then the second so one cool. was just a kind of a blog article that has to do with crawling without hexes. So some of the folks that might like what a hex crawl provides, but maybe wants a different approach to it, Hill Canton's Crawling Without Hexes was an interesting article that's out there. Point crawl. I should throw this one out there. I don't know if, if you knew this, Sean, but WizKids were, are producing a hand in Eye of Vecna. We put that out when it was Did we? brought up, I think. I couldn't remember. Maybe we didn't. I, I know I mentioned it coming out in like the beginning of a show. Yeah, I pre-ordered Brett, one. Brett's getting the <laughs> eye and hand of Vecna. Yeah. It, it, it will... It might be a needed prop for a thing. <laughs> I don't think we did it as a die roll. I think we did it like, hey, did you hear about Wizard's new thing coming out, the eye and hand of Vecna? Yeah. Uh, it's not... It's. Somebody's asking how much it is. Is Larith is 
I don't remember. <laughs> Brett does. He doesn't want to divulge it because it's not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and he's probably have a, he probably has a spouse not standing too far. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> At least he has headphones on and she can't hear what I'm saying. So, anyways, yeah, it's not. It's a. It's it's a. Uh, it's like the big. I mean, it ranks up there with the big uh, mind flare head, mounted head, and the dragon. Mounted head and the beholder. Two yeah. dragons. Uh, yeah. yeah. Beholder. Yeah. I mean, those things were like a f- couple, two, three hundred bucks, I think. So they said show it on the stream when you get it. Oh, absolutely. There's a, um, it's not due out for a month, a couple months yet. But anyway, there's something, there's something cool. I was thinking about this when I brought it up here is the world of Dungeons and Dragons people have talked about. Like D&D is its own thing. It has its own mythos, if you will, right? Vecna, Kass. Tiamat, so on and so forth. It's interesting what when you run when you're making a homebrew world, when you have callbacks, and I've done this in Avalon, when I have callbacks to other adventures and other adventurers, things they've done, relics they may or may not have found, or something that was alluded to, like the Lady Madonna, which is this mysterious ship that continues apparently continues to sink and keeps showing up, it becomes a piece. And it really helps to build the home world, the homebrewed world, excuse me. I think it's pretty cool. It's fun to do anyway. Yeah. All right, man. We're yeah, good? we're good. Uh, what are we talking about next week, Brett? I don't know. I'll probably text you and go, what the hell, man? What are we doing? <laughs> no, we have a couple good ideas that you had thrown to me. I like the one, um, picked one up earlier here from Craig. Um, kind of like the idea of what he talked about from like post- post-lockdown world, so on and so forth. Um, and we might actually, one of the things that I've been thinking about, or I should say Sean brought it up, was cyberpunk. Kind of as a as a genre, what does it mean and so forth, especially with cyberpunk red being out. So might have to do a little bit of book reading, Sean, so I could talk about that one intelligently. So we'll see how far I get in my copy of cyberpunk red. And um, if I get far enough in that, that I can, that I think I can speak intelligently to, we might cover that one. Sweet. So, got some good stuff. Some, we'll be talking about something next week. Probably gaming related. At least most At least most of the show will be gaming related, I promise. Probably. Most. Odds are most likely probably. We're going to be pretend we're podcasters. <laughs> take take on the role of podcasters. Exactly. We'll, we'll just pretend. That's what we've been doing for six years. I just fucking wing it. I got no idea yeah. what I'm doing. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us live. You can catch us here on twitch.tv uh, forward slash gaming underscore and underscore BS at 8 p.m. Central Time Monday nights where we record the audio version in front of a live studio re- studio audience. And then you can catch our audio show on your podcatcher of choice. And if you see us this on YouTube or uh, YouTube, give us a like or subscribe. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us all these years, including 2020. We know that habits have changed and a lot of people weren't listening to us probably every week, like on their ride to work and their ride back from work and things of that nature. That's okay. We're still here. We're still going. We're hoping 2021 is going to be more awesome than ever before. And uh, keep on gaming. Otherwise, I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers. Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Old School DM, Jason Hobbs, Andy Hall, Roger Brasslett, 
Brett Pazinski, Chris Steele, Larry Hout, Eric Frankhouse, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Stefan Dragonspawn, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan Lavalley, Craig Huber, Ron Bishop, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Jim Fitzpatrick, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Jeff Seifer, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Basor, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Niall Diamond, Jeff Goat, Brian Rumble, David F. Balog, Harrigan, Melissa Mashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Reston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Jason Weeb, Dollar Adventure Frameworks, Phil McClory, Jay Plata, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries, Christian, Banta Blacklord, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shorb, Michael O'Holland, Christopher Lang, Chad Glayman, Josh Wallace, Adam Grotejohn, Ed Nyes, Corey Welch, Mirko Froelich, Rich Wishon, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, and Aaron Ralia. Hey, it's 2021. Do you have a few games on your short list that you'd like to tackle this year? Why don't you join our forums at forums.gamingnbs.com and check out what everybody's looking to play in 2021. Maybe there's a one-shot that's going to cover the game you're looking for. Or if you're looking to run a one-shot, there may be others that we're willing to play. Hope to see you over there. Thanks, BSers! This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.